pray. Let's get into the word and allow the spirit of the Lord just to speak to us this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we gather this evening, Lord, to learn from you, Lord. It's your book. It's your word. It's, it's your truth, Lord. And who else are we going to learn from but you, Lord? Lord, we want to hear from no one else but you. And I pray that as we gather this evening, Lord, that today would be just a humongous, enormous, just blessings of truth, Lord. That they would overflow, Lord, from your word and that you would just encourage us, ignite us, stir us up, Lord, to walk in boldness, to walk in courage, Lord. And Lord, we love you, Lord. We continue to pray, Lord Jesus, that you revive our hearts, Lord, that everyone in this place, Lord, would have a it's just a zeal and a passion, Lord, like never before, Lord, that they would have a fire for you and your word and your truth and to walk in a manner that pleases you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We pray for an awakening, Lord, in this city, and we continue to pray, Lord, that you move greatly, Lord, and move powerfully, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Esther chapter 8. And as we're actually coming very close to, to the end of the book of Esther, and, uh, you know, we're going to be going into the book of, of Job. And so, you know, as we keep moving on, as we go through the Bible, through the Old Testament, we know that uh, God has just great things to teach us through the Old Testament. And everything, as he says, points to him. But as we're concluding the book of Esther, today we're going to do chapter 8. Next week we'll actually finish with chapter 9 and chapter 10. We're actually going to see the tables that are going to turn, the tables that are going to turn in favor of the Jews. And I want to reveal this to you. The only reason why they're turning in the favor of the Jews is because of Esther's boldness and courage. And this plays a major role, a major role in, in, in just the turning of the events and we're going to see here a woman that stands up for righteousness. And when we stand up for righteousness, we're going to see the effects of this. And, and I just want to talk really about, about just uh, when we see injustice or when we see compromise. Or when we're asked to compromise, what do we do? Think about that. What do we do when we see injustice or when we see or asked to compromise? Do we cower? Do we cave in? You know, we're going to see from Esther this evening, we're going to see her boldness and her courage. As it says in Proverbs 28, verse 1, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Think about that. The righteous are as bold as a lion. What does it mean to be bold as a lion? You know, when you look at the word bold, it means to be, to trust. It means to be confident. It means to be secure. And this is in the Hebrew. This is what it's telling us, that we are to trust, that we are to be secure, that we are to be confident. And how do we apply this when we're looking at being bold as a lion? That I want you to know that nothing holds us back. Remember that nothing's going to hold you back. In other words, we're going to conquer obstacles. We're going to stand and fight with no fear. We're going to be willing to fight for righteousness. We're going to be willing to speak out God's wisdom and God's truth with no fear. And we're going to trust in the Lord for the outcome. 
even if it means personal retribution or danger. Remember that. Even if it means that, hey, there's going to be some effects that are, you know what, some negative effects that may fall upon us, but that's not going to stop us from being as bold as a lion. And this is what we're going to see with Queen Esther. And the question for all of us, or the challenge for all of us, is going to be, are we bold as a lion? Are we bold as a lion? Think about that. Are you as bold as a lion, what I've been sharing with you? Or, how many remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember that lion? How was that lion? He was a coward, right? Do we cower? Or are we as bold as a as, uh, are we as bold and courageous as, as the Lord has called us to be? As we get into Esther chapter 8, let's read verse 1 and let's get right into what the Lord has for us. It says here, On that day, King Ahasuerus, he's King Xerxes, gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. To get a sense as to what's going on, I mean, some of you haven't, weren't with us last week. I want to share what happened last week as we were going through the book, as we were in Esther chapter 7. It revealed to us, or it was told to us, how Esther revealed Haman and the wicked plans that he had against the Jews. Remember, Haman was this evil man. He's just like Hitler today, or Hitler back in the 20s, when he wanted to annihilate all of the Jews. And as Haman called for the genocide or the annihilation of the Jews, this would have included Queen Esther and Mordecai. And we know Mordecai, remember Mordecai, he had actually revealed, or actually the king had discovered that Mordecai had saved him from a, a coup, from a, you know what, from a, 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 a plan that some of his eunuchs had to, to take him off the throne, to kill him off. And so Mordecai was actually honored by the king and and we know that as Esther revealed the plans that Haman had against the Jews, which would have included her and Mordecai, that Haman was actually hanged. And this is where we left off. And we read here that after Haman was hanged on, on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, that the king, King Xerxes, gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. He gave Queen Esther all the belongings of Haman. And remember, Haman was an extremely wealthy man. This guy had millions of dollars. When we look at today's currency, this guy was an amazing, uh, I should say, a wealthy man. And whenever there was a person that was found to be enemy of the king, or if he committed a crime against the king, then all the belongings would actually go to the king. But here we see something different, that he gives it to Queen Esther. It should have been the property of the state or the property of the king, but instead, Queen Esther, she receives all his belongings. Why would the king give Queen Esther the, his belongings? Why would the king give what belonged to him? I mean, this would have added so much more money to him. I mean, he was already extremely wealthy, but yet we see him giving everything to Queen Esther. You know why he gave it to Queen Esther? I mean, we, we, we're not told why, but we can only... Imagine that it, maybe it was, it was the guilt that he felt as he brought such great anxiety and, and anguish to, 
to his wife as he allowed Haman to bring upon his genocide on the Jews. But as we are reading here also, we're told of, of how Esther had revealed to the king how Mordecai was, revealed, was, was related to her. She actually reveals that Mordecai was her cousin. And I'm sure that she, he, uh, she also revealed that it was Mordecai that raised her. You know, when we look at this, right, we think to ourselves, you know what, we see a boldness and a, and a courage that Esther has here. She's just speaking things as they are. And the king finding out that the two people that he trusted most, the one that saved his life and the one that was his wife, we see that these are, he finds out that they're both Jews and, and he knows that they're Jews. And so what happens next? It says in verse 2, So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. The king's ring was given to Mordecai. Remember, this was the ring that was given to Haman. And when Haman was, you know what, when he was killed, uh, the king was taken off of him. When he was hanged, they took the king off of Haman, uh, the ring off of Haman, off of Haman and, and the ring was given now to Mordecai. See, Mordecai, as, as we are seeing here, Mordecai is actually being elevated to a place of honor. When we look at Esther chapter, three, uh, chapter 10, as we're going to see next week in verse 3, it reveals that Mordecai was actually raised to be second in the kingdom, second to the king. And many people will say, well, look at this, Mordecai is being blessed. You know, Mordecai is finally being elevated to a position that he should have received all along. But in reality, I also believe that not only was Mordecai blessed, but also the king was being blessed. Imagine to have both a Jewish wife and the second in the kingdom as Jews. And we know whenever God's people are in any location or in any type of employment or in any type of, uh, in, every, in any place, you know, the Lord seems to bless the, the overflowing of the blessings that, that, that he gives to his people. They overflow onto the businesses. They overflow onto the places where people are. We saw this with Joseph. We saw this with Daniel. Daniel in the kingdom, you know, he was blessing the, uh, the, 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 the kings. He was blessing the household. The same thing with Joseph. We see the same thing. Wherever Joseph was, whether he was in prison or, or whether he was in, the, in, the, in Potiphar's home, everything was being blessed wherever Joseph and Daniel were. And that's what I see here also with this king. You can imagine the blessings that he was receiving. The Lord blesses the places that, 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 employ, that, that employ his people. And, and we see this time and time again. And, and I want you to know that wherever you're at, understand if, if you are truly a believer, if you are truly sold out for the Lord, that whatever location you're at, whatever business you're at, the Lord is going to bless those around you. And that's because of you. As we keep reading on in verse 3, it says, Now Esther spoke again to the king and fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, 
if it pleases the king and if I have found favor in his sight and the thing seems right to the king and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? I want you to know we see the boldness and the courage of Esther here. And what I want to bring to light also is, look at what Esther has received. She's received millions of dollars. She's now, you know what, not only was she the queen, but now we, uh, we also saw that everything that Haman owned was actually now given to Esther. And instead of caring just about herself, what does she do? She's very bold. And she asked something that I want you to understand that couldn't be done, but yet she now had this courage and this boldness, right? And we saw this, we saw this coming out as she, as she says, you know what, so be it. If I die, I die. And, and maybe I've been called for a, such a time as this. And ever since that, we saw a boldness building up. But we also see here that there's a, 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 just a courage about her where she asked the king to revoke what Haman had decreed. And I want you to understand that this is something that couldn't be done. But yet you have a boldness that she, that, that she, that she begins to, to, uh, to reveal here, right? And, and I'm going to talk about why this couldn't be done, but before I talk about that, I want to talk really about a boldness that the Lord wants us to have. You know, let me give you an example. I remember when I was working and I was, I was I, you know, in my secular job, I, you know, I had a boss and the boss had asked me to lie about certain things in order to, to you know, to benefit the company. And I, and I just flatly told him, you know what, there's no way I'm going to lie. I said, you know what, I can't lie. I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. And he looked at me and he was dumbfounded that I would say that I wouldn't lie. He thought that because he was in authority over me that he could move me in a manner to lie for the company. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. See, when we're placed in positions of compromise, what do you do? If somebody's asking you to compromise, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, you know what? Sure, I'll do it. Or are you going to stand up for truth and for righteousness? Are you going to be bold as a lion, as we've been called to be, as bold as a lion? And believe me, you're going to be in a position where you're going to be asked to compromise, to compromise your beliefs, to compromise your, 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 your faith, to compromise righteousness. And what are you going to do when that happens? You know, when it comes to, to Esther, we see the example that, you know what, that she wasn't going to allow the things ha to happen to her people, right? She knew what was right. She knew what was needed to take place. And she says, you know what, I'm going to stand up for my people. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be as bold as a lion. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to stand in the Lord's strength. You know, I remember another time, and I've shared this with you in times past. You know what, I, I was in a meeting, and, and there was a few of us. There was like uh, six of us, I believe, six, six of my colleagues. We were on a, in, a, in a room, and, and I remember during that meeting that one of the guys, he says, you know what, look, I'm going to pull something up. I want you guys to see this. And what does he pull up? He pulls up a, 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 a porn site. 
and I was on the other side and and the other guys started walking around and they started looking at this porn that was going on, right? This woman and this guy. And, and so what I ended up doing, and what am I going to do? What, am I just going to sit there and do nothing or what am I going to do? Am I going to say something? Uh, you know, again, my, my, my testimony, who I am in Christ is being challenged here, right? And so what am I going to do? And so what I ended up doing is I, I stood up and I said, you know what, I'm going to leave the room. And once you guys are done watching that, let me know and call me back and I'll come back in. And so I walked out of the room and then I get a phone call. I get my boss calling me and saying, come back in. And then the guys just despite me, and I've shared this about these guys, right? I shared with you how in times past they wanted me out. They wanted to get me fired. They would say things about me, and in return they all ended up getting fired, every single one of them. But this was when they were still there, right? And so when I walk back in, the first thing that they do, they, they start whispering to one another, right? And then they put it back on. And immediately when they put it back on, what did I do? I just stood up and I started walking out. Then my boss says, you know what? Don't walk out, Tony. I want you guys to turn off that site. What do you do when you're in a position of compromise? Are you going to be bold as a lion or are you going to just waver and be like that coward from the Wizard of Oz, that lion? See, only you can answer these things, right? And you're going to be placed in a position where you're going to have to stand up for righteousness, to stand up for your faith, to stand up for your truth. And what are you going to do? I want you to know that all of these things were working in my favor. Little did I know that after these things were happening and as I continued to just walk in a manner that, that was pleasing to the Lord, and yes, I wasn't perfect, but yet I knew that what I had to do with, at my job. And, and you know, when they would go out and party, I wouldn't do these things. All I did was go and do my job, and the Lord just did an amazing work through me. It wasn't my, my doing, but yet I was elevated into position. And I've shared this with you where, you know what, I received awards and all kinds of things. And, and you know what, this was just the Lord that was doing it. But it was because, why? I would stand up for holiness and righteousness. But where do we stand? We're all going to be placed in these types of positions. What are you going to do? Are you going to just cave in? Are you going to say, you know what, no, I'm standing up for righteousness. Even though it's the most... Difficult thing to do. It is a challenge for every single one of us to stand up and to say no and to even say it to our superiors and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of this. But yet we've been asked to do these things, haven't we? Are you going to stand up? And believe me, one of the things they always wrote in my reviews was that Tony was a man of integrity. Are we men and women of integrity? Do we do what is right? Do we do what is true? As we return back to the events here with the queen, I share with you that the, the king had no power to do this. Even though Haman was gone, I want you to know that the decree that he issued was still in place. I want you to understand that whenever a king, a Medo-Persian king, whenever he issued a decree, it could never be canceled, it could never be rescinded. And how do I know this? The history books tell us, but not only the history books, but also the Bible tells us this. When we look at Daniel, remember Daniel and the lion's den? Remember the, the decree that had been issued? 
Remember, they wanted Daniel out again, just like anyone else, right? If, there's a, if, you're, in, if you're walking in righteousness and holiness, you're going to have an enemy that attacks you. And they wanted Daniel out, right? Because they didn't want that righteousness, that holiness, that favor that God had upon him. They wanted him out. He was a competitor. He was good. And they didn't want him to be there, right? So what they issued was a, they told the king, hey, why don't you issue a decree that for the next 30 days, if anyone else seeks any other god, you're going to throw him in the lion's den. And the king said, hey, that sounds good, right? I'm, I need to be worshipped. I want to be honored. So he said, yeah, you know what? That's the decree. If anybody worships any other gods besides me, if anyone goes to anyone besides me, then they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And once a decree was given, no one can change it. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. They're saying, you know what, once you put it into decree, King Darius, no one can change it. Look at verse 12, the same chapter, it says, And they went before the king and spoke concerning the, the king's decree. Have you not signed the decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of Medes and Persians, which does not alter. In other words, no one can alter it. Once the decree goes into play, once this rule goes into play, no one can alter it. It says in verse 15, it also says this, Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Now know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. No one can change it. And we have King Xerxes here, same Medo-Persians, the Persian king. Remember, he wrote the decree. He wrote the decree that all Jews would be annihilated. Actually, it was Haman that wrote it. He just gave him his, his approval and they had the signet ring there, the seal to prove that this was true. But when we look at Daniel, going back to Daniel, right, what did Daniel do? As we speak about boldness, right, as we speak about courage, did Daniel allow this decree to keep him from worshiping and praying to God? Daniel prayed to the Lord. He was bold. He was courageous. He didn't allow this threat to keep him from doing what he knew he needed to do. And what happened with King Darius? You know what? When they told him, Daniel, guess what? Daniel's praying to his God. The Bible tells us that he was ex extremely sad and he was disappointed. And so he had to put Daniel in the den. He had to put him in there. And we know what ends up happening, right? Daniel says, hey, the angel of the Lord came in here, the Lord himself, and he shut the mouth of the lions. Again, this boldness that we're talking about. Are you bold? As we're talking about this, this, uh, this courage, are we courageous? You know, when it came to King Xerxes, he couldn't change it. But Esther was bold enough to say, you need to do something. You got you to gotta take away this decree that Haman did. You know what he he had this scheme and you know you got to stop it and as we keep reading on verse 7 says then king 
Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Remember, he couldn't change his decree. It was already done. The law was written. And so what does he do? He tells Haman and, I mean, he tells Esther and Mordecai to write a decree and to seal it with the king's ring. And then he says that whatever is signed and sealed by me, no one can change it, not even me. No one can revoke it. So let's read verse 9 and see what's given. It says, So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded, to the Jews, to the satraps, to the governors and the princesses of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses, bred from swift steeds. As we're told here, the writer here is letting us know when this was written, when this edict now to counter Haman's decree. It tells us that it was on the 23rd day of the third month. In our calendar, this would have been June 25th, 474 B.C. The Jewish calendar, remember, the Jewish calendar begins this month in April. This is when the Jewish calendar begins. And according to Esther chapter 3, verse 12, the first decree to annihilate the Jews was on March 7th. And so now we're talking about June. So about a little over 90 days have passed since Haman had the decree to annihilate the Jews. But now we have, almost 90 days have passed, and, and we see that, that there's a new decree. And the new decree gave them eight months to prepare. See, because when the first decree went out from Haman, it was on March 7th, and he said in in, in the next year, on March 7th, that's the day that all Jews will be annihilated. And so when this new decree from the king, which was written by Mordecai, it gives him around eight, almost nine months, it's a, over, a little over eight months to prepare the Jews for this new decree. And what is this new decree? This new decree was going to go out to 127 Persian provinces. And let's read what this decree is. It says, verse 11, By these letters the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is on the month of Adar. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves 
on their enemies. And the couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Sushan, the citadel. Remember I told you the first decree could not be erased. And this is what the original decree said. Look at what it says in Esther chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is, in, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. And so now we have the new decree by Mordecai. And the new decree says that they could fight back. They could fight back. Remember, he can't take out the first decree which gave the right to all, to all the enemies of the Jews to kill, to annihilate, to completely take them out, men, women, children, and to plunder their possessions. And so what do we have now? And so what do we have now? We see here that, that the decree from Mordecai, The decree from Mordecai is basically giving them now the right to fight back. And anyone who tries to kill them and plunder their possessions on that 13th day of March, they could take whatever they owned. So in reality, the tables have turned. So in other words, if someone tries to kill you, you have the right to kill them. And you can take whatever they possess. And what's amazing about this is that now they have the right to fight back. You could see now how things are changing for the Jews. Remember, before they had no right to fight back. They were just going to take them, annihilate them, and that was it. But now they're given the right by the king to fight back. Haman is dead. And remember, now Mordecai, who all people knew was a Jew, is now second in command. And guess what? The word is going out that Esther is a Jew. See, the enemies of the Jews aren't so secure anymore. See, God is turning the tables here. This is what's so amazing. As it says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that. If God is for us, who can be against us? As we see in verse 15, look at how Mordecai goes out. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel, in blue and white, with a great crown of gold and garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Sushan rejoiced and was glad. Mordecai, he goes out with his new apparel. Remember, Mordecai was borrowing clothes at one time, and now he's wearing new apparel. He has ro the royal apparel and you know why he goes out? To encourage the people that there's victory coming. Again, Mordecai the same way, bold, courageous, bold as a lion. As the edict goes out, as the decree goes out, he gets on his horse with his new apparel and he goes out. Why? To encourage the people. To encourage the people that the Lord is going to give them victory. See, when... People come against us. Understand one thing. As it says in Romans 8.37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
As I keep sharing with all of us, right, there's a banner over us. And what is this banner? This, is the, this, this banner over us is Jesus, and this banner over us is victory. We can't forget that. Yeah, yet, yet, when things are, are looking so dim and things are looking so grim and, and we think to ourselves, you know what, what's going to happen? Understand one thing, as children of God, we have victory and we have a banner over us. And no matter what, understand this, that, that we will experience victory. Remember David and Goliath, what did he say which should encourage all of us? He said that the battle is the Lord's. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not our battle, it's His battle. And whatever we're facing, and believe me, I have been under attack, and I know why I've been under attack, because of all the things that the Lord is doing. And yet, you know what, i got to remember myself that the battle belongs to the Lord. That there's victory in the Lord. You know what, that no matter what we're facing, that, that we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That greater is He that is in us. No matter the challenges that you're facing, we've got to stand back and remember that we have a banner over us. It's Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is our victory. And after seeing, as we see here, after the people saw Mordecai with the royal apparel, with the great crown of gold and the garment of fine linen, it says that the people rejoiced. The Jews were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. Why? Because they were encouraged by the boldness of, of, of Mordecai. That boldness, that, you know what, that, that boldness of a lion. You know, again, re, the reminder that we are called to be bold. I want to share this with you. I remember in my job, I remember when I was there, you know what, I would actually ask some of the guys, hey, let's have a Bible study. Some of the guys that I knew that were Christians. Because I didn't want to go party. I wanted to do, you know, get into God's Word. And I remember a lot of them would say, man, you know what, you encourage us. And I didn't, you know what, I didn't keep it to myself. I just said, hey, you know what, the guys are going to go out and party. And you know what, I invited some guys to have a Bible study. You know, we're called to be bold. We're called to be courageous. We can't cower. We can't fear. The retaliation that we get, it may happen, but it, God will turn the tables as he turned the tables here. And the enemies and the giants that we face, God's going to destroy them. Just like at my job, every single one of them were gone. They were fired. Did I know all these things were happening? No, I just had to take steps of faith, steps of courage. And I allowed the Lord to do the rest. As we keep reading on in verse 16, it says, The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. You know what it tells us? That the Jews, after seeing, you know what, the new decree, after seeing Mordecai with his new apparel, remember, he's a Jew, he made no, 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 he, he wasn't hiding this, this wasn't a secret anymore, he was telling everyone that he wasn't going to obey Haman because he was a Jew, 
and everyone knew he was a Jew. And the Jews knew that he was a Jew. And now that he was out there riding that horse in boldness, encouraging the people, there was light, there was gladness, there was joy, and there was honor. It tells us that they even had a feast and a holiday. And it tells us that these people, they became God-fearing people. Imagine that they became God-fearing people as they saw the Lord defend them, as they saw the victory that was now in and through them. As they saw the new decree going out, they saw Haman was hanged. Remember, he was hanged on a 75-foot gallow for everyone to see. Don't you think that would encourage everybody? The enemy is out. And now Mordecai the Jew is out there riding a horse in boldness, in courage. And all the people were joyous and glad. It was a victory. But how did it start? How did it start? Think about this. How did it start? As we shared, it started with one woman. She was bold. She was courageous. She was as bold as a lion. And that ignited all these things to happen. What can we learn from this? I'm going to give you three things. Three things that we can take away with. And the first is this, don't be afraid to be bold. As Christians, we are not to cower. Don't allow fear to take you. And believe me, I remember when I had to stand up to my boss, yes, there's a fear that wanted to overtake me, but yet I have to stand right in boldness and in my faith. And the enemy has a way of, of speaking in your mind and tells you, don't, don't, don't fight back. Don't step up. Don't, don't stand up. And even your own emotions are getting the best of you. Well, what if I get fired? What if I stand up and I get fired? And what if these things happen to me? Then what do I do? If they're asking you to do something illegal, you could sue them. But that's not what we're talking about here. But as we see here, we are to have boldness and courage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear. What kind of spirit have we been given? One of power, of love, of love, and of sound mind. I want you to also know the second point that, we're gonna, that we saw here. The second point is this, that your boldness, it, it inspires others. Remember that it inspires others. Just like with the Jews, right? It ignited in them a joy. It inspired them. I want you to know that there are people that are looking for leaders. Even in the Christian circle, they're looking for leaders. See, the world is filled with followers, aren't they? Everyone doing the same thing, right? You know what? People leading people over the cliff. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's following someone. But I want you to know that leaders of integrity, leaders of righteousness, they are a rare breed. They're not out there. There's not a whole lot of them that are out there. And God is calling us to do this. God is calling us to be a leader of integrity, a leader of, of righteousness, leaders that are filled with the wisdom of God, leaders that are filled with the Holy Spirit, leaders that are filled with righteousness. 
And as I mentioned, they're a rare breed even in the Christian church. Why? Because there's so much compromise going on. There's so much compromise going on. But God is looking for leaders. God wants to show his strength through Christians that are bold, through Christians that are courageous. As it says in Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is what? Loyal. Loyal to him. Standing up for righteousness. Standing up in truth. Not cowering to compromise and to intimidation and to lies. And in the end, we're going to finish with this. God will be glorified. I want you to know what happened when, when Daniel stood up. When he stood up and says, you know what, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise my faith. God will be glorified. Look at what, what it says. Look, this is what's so amazing. We're talking about the king here, right? After Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and God fought his battle and God stood with him, look at what the king says. Look at the decree that he issues. Look at the official order that he gives. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. Can you believe this? The king is telling everybody, you guys got to worship the God of Daniel. Isn't that amazing? As we see here with Esther, started with Esther, with her boldness. Her boldness led many people to do what? To fear the Lord, to come to God. I want you to know one thing. Remember how we've been talking about, we, I think we shared it this past Sunday. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. I want you to understand that these are the battles that the Lord reveals to us to increase our faith. This is what's so amazing. This is why we read these things so that your faith can grow, that, so that it can ignite and inspire you to walk in boldness, to walk with courage. We've been called to do this. Understand, every single one of us, these are the battles that build your faith, the battles that the Lord wins. That's why He wants you reading His Word. He wants you to see these things so that our faith can grow and our faith will grow and our faith continues to grow when we go through the Bible and we read it word for word chapter by chapter, book by book, to hear the battles that the Lord wins so that we can be encouraged to see people like Daniel, to see people like Esther, to see people like Mordecai as examples for us to know that if we walk in that same manner, we will receive the same as they did the blessings of God. And believe me, we have enemies. But God is greater than our enemies. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth.
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the things that you reveal to us, Lord, the boldness of Esther, Lord. Lord, what an amazing woman. And it started with her that ignited, Lord, this, this joy, this gladness, this victory, Lord. And if it wasn't for her boldness, Lord, none of this would have taken place. Lord, you've called us to be bold as a lion, Lord. The righteous, you say, are bold as a lion. Who here is righteous? Are we as bold as a lion or do we cower? Lord, you've called us to be bold. You've called us to be strong in you. You've called us to be a people, Lord, that stand up for righteousness, that stand up for truth, that don't compromise, that don't, Lord Jesus bring you a bad testimony. I want to pray for for everyone here because I know that every one of us is challenged. We are challenged in our faith. We are challenged by the enemy. He wants you to compromise. He wants you to walk in a manner that doesn't please the Lord. And I want to pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I pray that every single one of us in this place, Lord Jesus, would be as bold as a lion. That we would not fear, Lord, but that we would walk in courage and in strength and in your power, Lord, revealing your truth and your wisdom, Lord. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to be strong in you, Lord. That even when we're challenged and even when we believe, Lord Jesus, that, that if we go against, Lord, those above us, Lord, that have asked us to lie and to compromise, that we would not cower, Lord, but that, we be, that we would be bold and strong in you, Lord. Lord, as we just heard as we stand up for righteousness and for truth, you ignite and encourage others, Lord, and you will be glorified. And that's what I pray, Lord, that in the lives of those that are here, when they stand up for righteousness, Lord, that you would be glorified. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be bold as a lion. Help us to stand up for righteousness, Lord, for we are, we have been declared righteous by you, Lord. Help us to walk in what you've called us and declared us to be, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.